This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good morning, RLC. Can everyone say good morning to all those online this morning? Good morning to all those online, yes. We have, we have people from, from all, literally all around the world that watch us. And you go, Pastor Kevin, that's a slight exaggeration. No, it's not. We have pastors from Africa that are watching us at this moment, and we're thankful for them. We're thankful for you. Can I tell you, it would be really boring. We were, we were there. We were back in the day when we were in this building by ourselves, or very few of us. I love having you in the house. I love you being part of Relevant Life Church. Thanks for being faithful. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here and, and being representatives of, of Jesus Christ uh, to me and to others. Can I tell you that your presence is important to me? Your presence blesses me, and I hope that my presence blesses you, and I hope the person sitting next to you their presence also blesses you. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you are new with RLC or have not filled out a connection card, would you do so today? Uh, we would like to get better acquainted with you. Put your phone number on there. If you're a texter, we, we like that connection of texting, email, whatever it is. Uh, and if you would drop it in the green box back there, that would be very, very beneficial to us. If you're online or if you're even in the house and would rather do it electronically, there is that, that possibility as well. And so we would love for you to be able to do so. Uh, how many have been able to check out the RLC website, the new website? We've, uh, Colleen back there with her back to us in the booth. Uh, she is a rock star. Would everyone give her a round of applause to Colleen? She is creative, and she takes what we, what we speak and, and makes something happen out of it, and I love that. Uh, this last weekend was OYC. I'm going to say OYC. Uh, Jesse and his team, thank you so much for serving, and teenagers, as you're here, uh, I cannot wait to hear the good things that God did in your life, and uh, I get the privilege of being at youth tonight, so I'm gonna, I, I get to hear some of your stories, so come prepared to share a little bit of your story. Would you do so? I want to be able to hear that. I also want to shout out real quickly because we believe in multi-generational. Everyone say multi-generational. It's the crossing of generations. I am excited about empty nesters and the young adults as we come together. It's going to be a good time. And uh, empty nesters, we need you in the room, but at young adults, we need you in the room. And there's this value that comes from the two dynamics of that. And so we need you there. Would you make sure you plan on that to do so? Um, and maybe, maybe you're not a regular at young adults on Wednesday nights, but if you're in that young adult area, would you come? Would you just join us? We would love to have, a partic- have you participate as well. Today, continuing on with above and beyond, right? Amen. To infinity and beyond, Amen. right? How, how, how many love above and beyond? We love this concept. I love, how, how many love above and beyond in your own life when, when something happens above and beyond to you? We're in this series, week, starting week three today, uh, Generous Living Part Two. I preached part one last week, part two this week. And we continue on in this series. But once again, RLC is stepping into this concept of, of, of living above and beyond, stretching above and beyond, wanting to challenge our faith and challenge, uh, challenge our faith as well as putting our confidence in God that God's going to use us together as a crew of people to accomplish a goal. And I love that God uses, God, God uses this thing, uh, the synergizing people together, working people together to make something great come out of as a result of it. Every year as I step back and look, or even as I look back at past years, I see where our faith, uh, where faith was demanded of me and faith was demanded of you. Can I tell you that having faith demanded of us is something really, really good? How many, what, what happens when faith is demanded of you? We grow, we stretch, right? Can I, how, how many want to grow just a little bit more this year? Come on, how many, uh, uh, not a trick question. You want to, can I tell you that it's as you utilize your faith, you stretch. As you put your faith out, you grow. And that's what, I love this process of demanding of our faith, but it also is a demanding of sacrifice uh, that, that has made a dynamic impact around our world. Year after year after year, we are doing something that is bigger than you and I. 
It's impacting a, a situation and circumstances and touching lives that are so much bigger than us. Today, I w- real quickly, I want to remind you, focus number one is an outward focus for Chi Alpha across the state of Oregon. Chi Alpha is an Assemblies God ministry that reaches our college campuses. And uh, the vision for uh, Oregon is large. Uh, I love this concept, one million, one million stu- $1 million for one million students. One million for one million. And we're, you go, Pastor Kevin, we're just a small portion of that, but we're a portion of that. Amen. And we're part of a great community that's coming together to go, no, we're going to accomplish something even bigger than us. And you're going to see the video once again this morning if you're not aware of that. And focus number two is, is an inward focus for our generations, for our departments, for technology, for us as a church, for our ministry, for our generational ministries. It's so very important, so vital. But today, would you pause uh, as we watch this and, and listen with attentiveness? They did such a great job with this video. Kai Alpha, let's watch it one more time. The state of Oregon is drifting away from Jesus. 36% of the people in this state claim no spiritual affiliation, the second highest percentage for any state in the nation. Children, teens, and college students in Oregon are growing up in an increasingly secular culture. It is becoming less and less likely that young people in this state will ever hear a biblical message of Jesus Christ. Another statistic, according to a survey by the National Association of Evangelicals, 97% of people in the United States who decide to follow Christ make that decision before the age of 30. 97%! If someone is going to decide to follow Jesus, they are overwhelmingly more likely to make that commitment when they are young. As ministers, we cannot wait to prioritize young people. We have a responsibility to accelerate our efforts, to reach them now if we hope to welcome them into the kingdom of God. My name is Christian Anderson. As Chi Alpha Director for the State of Oregon, I coordinate the Assembly of God's mission to reach the university campus. On move-in day, whether a student grew up in church or they've only ever heard the name of Jesus used as a swear word, we want to welcome them with the hospitality of the gospel into a missional faith community on campus. It is our passion to see lost college students fall in love with Christ, to raise up Christian students for ministry, and send them out equipped and empowered to follow Jesus' calling into our Oregon communities and around the world. Right now, the Chi Alpha movement in Oregon has more momentum to reach new campuses than we have ever had before. We long to see a healthy, long-term, gospel-centered mission on every campus in the state. And to get there, we plan to establish ministry centers near seven strategic campuses. These ministry centers will be a home away from home for students, places where Christian community, personal discipleship, and friendship-style evangelism can thrive. Through these ministry centers, we will empower Chi Alpha teams to pioneer new campuses in Oregon. We will equip network churches to reach young people. We will send missionaries into the marketplace and we will raise up foreign workers who will go to the ends of the earth. There are roughly one million people in Oregon under the age of 21. For each of these young people, we are asking you to help us raise $1 to invest in these ministry centers. The money raised will be used three ways. First, for a down payment on a new ministry center. Second, it will enable us to fully purchase the one we currently use, the Haven. Third, it will establish a fund that will put Chi Alpha in the financial position to purchase more ministry centers as we expand to new campuses throughout the state. We're asking for a million for a million in faith that God will multiply what we give. The young people of today need our help to become the faithful, discerning, Christ-centered church leaders of tomorrow. Join us as we accelerate the now. realizing that the church of Jesus Christ has been something that is created by Jesus himself and has been fostered by Jesus. He's inviting us to be part of that mission, part of something that is going to be ongoing, not just for this generation, not just for next year, but for the generations to come. And I want to invite you to be part of something, the kingdom of God, but more so even this 
directly at this point above and beyond to help Chi Alpha. What an opportunity that will outlive you, that will outlive your, your calling, outlive who you are, and impact and change the state of Oregon. Amen. God, in the name of Jesus, we just pray. God, I pray for every church that's raising money. I pray for every uh, ministry that's trying to, to further this and reach this goal. Would you pour out blessing upon every organization? God, together as you bring us together, would you help us to be part of this network that is raising the funds? And God, we pray for Chi Alpha. God, I ask for a supernatural anointing to go upon their lives and the leaders. God, would you give them wisdom and direction and favor? God, we pray for, for long long-standing generation after generation after generation impact in the state of Oregon. God, that will outlive us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, progress of where we're at at this point. If you participated, if you want to go to that first slide right here, our goal is $35,000. We have a little over $10,000 pledged at this point. We're about a third of the way there, as well as we have a little bit right around $1,000 that has actually come in at this point. We want to invite you to participate. Uh, this does not discourage me at all because I know that there are people that are still conversing and dialoguing. And if you haven't made your number on this, on this, on this chart here, please make sure you get that in so that we can see where we're at. This idea above and beyond, actions or behavior that exceeds what is required, that exceeds what is required or even expected. I love the God that you and I serve. He says that he will do above and beyond all that we ask, think, or even imagine. I don't know to you or not, but this idea of $35,000 can sometimes be very far-fetching or far-reaching. But can I tell you that we're not just doing it out of our strength, RLC strength. We're doing this because what we've asked of him is beyond what he will do. This whole thing of God wanting to work in our lives. What I realize also as a pastor and even as a believer, that giving is one of the greatest privileges that you and I get to do. When we get to step in, we get to, we get to give of our finances, we get to give of our time and our gifts and our abilities. We get to give back to God because he's given us so much. But one of the, other great, one of the greatest complications is this very idea that uh, I have to give. It's that challenge that is there to go, but I want it myself. It's that fight with humanity within us, right? This whole challenge that we have to come back and go, who do, do, I, do I want to please him? Do I, want to, do I want to participate with him like he's asked me to do, or do I want to hold it to myself? And I think that's this battle that you and I have. We, uh, three weeks ago when we began this, we started a, the series with a sermon called What Happens When I Give? And we realized through this message, if you didn't listen to it, please go back and listen to it. But there's there's something supernatural that happens when we begin to give. God begins to do something, uh, and I don't have time to re-preach it this morning, but last week we started talking about uh, this idea of generous giving. How we give matters. How we give matters. And, and when I'm talking about how we give, I'm talking about this idea of genera, generous giving. Uh, at the beginning of my introduction last week, we talked about this, one of the enemies of generosity, and one of those enemies is a fear to go, I don't have enough. The fear of not having enough, and we've, a lot of people related to that, and then there was an idea of the fear of not being enough, and all of us can struggle with those concepts, but I want to bring a second fear today in my introduction that correlates with this. The fear of not having enough, the fear of not being enough, but there's this other enemy, this pursuit of wanting more or needing more. More is an enemy of our lives, is it not? As you think about your circumstances and situations, more is an enemy of your, of, of your, of your bank account because uh, we have slept into a culture today of credit cards and the debt that is there because we want more. We have to have more. This idea of, of more, not enough, and then the desire for more. This, the definition for more is this, a greater quantity or number or amount than you currently have greater than what you currently have. Can I ask you this morning, how many have ever wanted more of something? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. Okay, we've all wanted more of something, you know, whether it's more of a piece of pie, more of a piece of cake, more chocolate, okay, more coffee, whether it's uh, uh, whatever, more of a house, more of a car, we've all wanted more. This desire for more. 
So we can go from, will I have enough to, I want more. And this idea that stretches us. And I think the question that we have to come back to ourselves and ask is, how much is enough? Because that really is this answer to more and enough. How much is enough? We often answer that question in our culture today with just a little bit more. How many have have thought that in your own life? If I just have a little bit more, then I have enough. Isn't that with our children too, our little kids? Just a little bit more. I think of when our our grandkids come and they're they're just wanting a little bit more. Can I stay up a little bit later? Just a little bit more. Isn't that all of our lives? If we just had a little bit more, then it would be enough. This challenge that you and I have that hinders us with generosity in our lives. Generosity that flows through us is, what if I don't have enough? And if I just had a little bit more, then I could be generous. I wonder how many times we correlate or confuse God's blessing with more and this idea of prosperity with with actual tangible things rather than just an attitude of happiness and feeling God's blessings. I don't know about you, but uh, there's many times when I think of God's blessings and it's confusing. God gave me a word at the beginning of the year going, Kevin, there's blessings on the other side of obedience. And all year long, I've been going, God, well, what about the blessings? And God's coming back and going, Kevin, blessings aren't always in tangible forms. How many have realized that? But in our culture today, we're wanting to make a blessing something tangible, right? We want it to be more finances. We want it to be a bigger house. We want it to be whatever it might be. We want to see something tangible. And God goes, no, my blessing is just... The question that the Holy Spirit asked me is, Kevin, what if your obedience is the blessing? This idea of Old Testament blessing that we see taking place all throughout the Old Testament was a laying on of hands and imparting a prophetic, a prophetic moment. It was a touching of a patriarch of a family member to a younger family member. It was a passing on of something. So what I want you to think this morning is that it was passed through a touch. Can I tell you today, big picture, God cannot bless you unless he can touch you. God can't bless your wallet and your pocketbook unless he can touch your wallet and your pocketbook. God can't bless your marriage and your relationships unless you invite him in to touch them. And so often we step back and going, God, I just want blessing. He's going, let me touch it. Let me have an impact on it. When we're talking about this touch, it's a touch that transforms. It's a touch that changes things. Blessing is having all that you need for you to accomplish all that God is calling you to do. That's the definition of blessing. When we step back and we think of blessing today, God's saying, I'm giving you enough. I'm not going to give you more than. I'm going to give you enough that you have enough for you and enough for me. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, we see, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Everyone say first fruits. The key here is first. First fruits of all of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Honor the Lord. Honoring comes back to an attitude to go, God, I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to do first what you've asked me to do, and then there's a response. Many times we come back and go, God, if you would, then I would. And God's going, wrong equation. Wrong equation. The purpose and the goal of God's blessing on your life is that you would live with generosity, having this more towards him. The idea of blessing and prosperity in our world is more for me. When I have prosperity, prosperity, when I have blessing, I come back and go, look at what I get to get with what I have. This is mine. Many of you, generosity by the concept of when I'm blessed, when I'm prosperous, then I will be generous. Can I tell you that that's the wrong equation? That's not how God functions. In God's eyes, you can't be blessed, you can't be prosperous until you let him touch your money without being generous. There's 
You, we oftentimes come back and go, God, I just need you to bless me. And God's going, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The reality is this. I've realized it in my own life. If I'm not generous with $10, I'm not going to be generous with $100. If I'm not generous with $100, I'm not going to be generous with $1,000. If I'm not generous with $1,000, I will never be generous with a million dollars. The reality, it comes back to an attitude and a mindset. And oftentimes we come back and go, God, I just want a little bit more. A little bit more. The goal of blessing isn't for you. The goal of blessing is for you to be a generous conduit of the kingdom of God. That's the goal of blessing. Can I tell you this idea of blessing originated with God? It didn't originate in the English language. It originated with the concept of who God was. And you can come back and try to redefine blessing all that you want to. You can come back and try to redefine generosity according to human terms today. But we're talking about the word of God. We're talking about how God wants to shape our lives. This idea of generosity is showing a readiness to give more. Everyone say more. To give more. Last week we began this six biblical traits of generosity, and today I want to conclude those. But three, the three I gave last week real quickly were generous, generous givers give differently. Generous givers give differently. Number two, generous givers have priorities. And number three, generous givers give intentionally. And today we're starting out with number four, generous giving. Everyone say giving. Generous giving is contagious. A question that we were all challenged with in 2020 and 2021 was, are you contagious? Am I correct? Are you contagious? So we would look at our symptoms and we'd go, am I contagious? Am I in the window of, of still contagious? Do I go out and risk getting someone else sick? We're in the fall now of when sickness is at a, at a peak and we're seeing people that, that have colds and runny noses and all those things and we're in enclosed environments and there's more contagiousness that is there. This concept of being contagious, this idea of contagious means to spread by direct or indirect contact with others. Now today we don't want you to spread your sickness with us but it is this indirect and direct contact. What we've realized even through COVID is that contagiousness can, being contagious can be done unknowingly by someone else. Not knowing that you were exposed to something and therefore spreading a virus to somebody else. But we can also look in our culture today and our world today that can, being contagious can also mean that you purposefully go out to try to get somebody sick. It's like, this medical warfare type thing that people in our culture have done in the past. But rather than just seeing being contagious as a bad thing, what if there was a positive contagious? What if there was this thing that if we would step back and not just look at all the negative connotations to it, but if there was a positive connotation to it? And if that was the case, I would ask you today, are you contagious and if you're contagious, what are you spreading? What are you spreading? Researchers chose, researchers chose a Spanish workplace and had a group of givers, a group of receivers, and even a control group to measure results more scientifically. The result was astonishing. Receivers within two months became happier. Givers became less depressed and more satisfied with their lives and their jobs. Best of all, the positive acts of the giver group inspired others to act with receivers paying their acts of kindness forward by 278%. Think about it. The positive aspect of being contagious. Another study by James Fowler of the University of California uh, in San Diego and Nicholas Christakis of Harvard published the result of a study. They found that when one person behaves generously, observers then behave generously later. They also found that the acts of kindness and generosity could spread contag contagiously or have a cascading effect 
touching one person to another person to another person. They assessed in, their diet, in, the, in this study that each person in their small network had influence of dozens outside of their network. Outside of their friend group. So can I tell you today that you go, well, Pastor Kevin, is my generosity just to impact Relevant Life Church or the small little people that see me? Can I tell you, your impact, your above and beyond gift today, yes, is going to impact the people that's, that, that are in your family, but it's going to impact RLC. But it's not just going to impact RLC. It's going to impact Oregon. And it's not just for 2023. It's beyond there's this process of giving that is contagious, that does work in amazing ways. And I ask you today, what would our world be like? What would Relevant Life Church be like if we lived as if our lives were contagious? Not with sickness, but with the hope of Jesus Christ. What would happen if we live contagious with our generosity and with our serving and with our attitudes? Not with woe is me and gloom, despair and agony, but no, I get to do what I get to do. I get to love Jesus. I get to serve. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, he says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they not only, uh, that not only what they could offer, uh, that they gave, excuse me, not only what they could offer, but far more. And they did it, did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. So now I write you, just as Titus has urged you, he goes on to say, who encouraged your giving in the first place to return and to encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Everyone say, finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, in your love for us, I also want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. Paul is writing this letter to this church in Corinth. He's writing to a church that is actually quite well off. They're known for all, the port of Corinth was a very wealthy port. It was a very uh, high-ended high, uh, people that had a lot of money. And in Corinth, a lot of the abilities were, were lifted. He's going, just as you excel in your faith, just as you excel in your, your gifts of speech and, and being able to declare your knowledge, just as you excel in this idea of enthusiasm and even your love for us, we want to challenge you in your generosity. We want to challenge you even in your, your affluent lifestyle to live an excelling lifestyle of generosity. Can I tell you that oftentimes we can come back and go, God, I will give you this, but I won't give you that. How many have ever, you may not necessarily differentiate, but in our attitudes, we can come back and go, God, well, I'll just give you a little bit more. God, yeah. And God's going, no, I want you to excel in all these areas. Paul is writing here. He's saying, you started off good, but you didn't follow through. You started off with good intentions. You made a pledge, but you didn't follow through. You didn't collect the money. It didn't come in. This offering is for the church in Jerusalem. And here are the Macedonians out of little and out of, out of poverty and out of, out of uh, trial. It says they've been tested by many troubles and they were very poor. But something was significant. They had abundance and joy. He tells of their efforts. And he's telling of their efforts not to create competition, but to inspire a behavior. Can I tell you that oftentimes we hear a story like this and we're going, okay, well, I got to catch up. We look at social media and we go, no, I got to compete. I got I got this human thing that rises within us. Can I tell you that that's not a spiritual attitude? What Paul is trying to do is go, I want to inspire you. You have done so much. Can you, will you be inspired to do more? He's going, this giving in Macedonia should be contagious to you. Yeah. You should be able to look at it and go, no, I want to participate. 
Paul's not saying an amount of money. He's saying equal He's not saying equal giving. He's saying equal sacrifice. Giving is contagious. The more you give and spread your passion for giving to others, the more others will give. Today, I want to ask you once again, are you contagious? Would you ask yourself this morning, say, am I contagious? Is what I have what I want other people to catch? When it comes in relationship to God, do I want other people to catch what I have? Point number five, generous giving is an attitude. Generous giving is an attitude. Attitude can be positive or negative. I'm not saying don't caught me an attitude type thing. I'm talking about Paul's going, no, it depends on what you think about and how you perceive it. Zig Ziglar, known across our culture today, says your attitude, not your aptitude, will determine your altitude. Your attitude, not your abilities, not your talents, not your gifts, will determine how high you fly and how well you succeed. Can I tell you, counter to our culture, we come back and go, it's based upon my gifts and my talents and who makes a way for my life. Paul comes along with the same attitude, the same idea about attitude. The passage of scripture we're going to read in just a moment Your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude is a choice. Your attitude determines how high you will fly or how low you will sink. Will you go above and beyond or will you be below and buried? Can I tell you it's all about your choice of your attitude? In August, the Holy Spirit was challenging me about my attitude and my perspective. Can I tell you, you have power over your perspective You have power, even when life is going horrible, you have power over your perspective. You can get caught up in the process and the crisis, or you can go, God, you're using this for a reason. That there's something that God is trying to do in and through you. There's a reframing of the situation. Paul comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, a chapter later, continuing to speak to this affluent church. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves what? A cheerful giver. Paul says your attitude toward generosity determines the outcome. If you have an attitude, if you have this attitude of little, and give, the outcome is going to go along with a little. If you have this attitude towards much, your attitude is going to reap what you planted. This attitude of, uh, uh, this, this idea of cheerfulness. This is a picture of a farmer. If a farmer wants a good harvest, he must be willing to sow seed generously. I don't have time to give you agricultural rules, but they didn't go out one by one with their wheat to plant seed. They went out and they cast the seed into the ground. Some, as we see in the parable of Jesus, some fell on good soil, some fell on rocky soil, some fell amongst weeds, some fell da-da-da-da, and the birds ate it. But can I tell you that the sower went out and generously sowed the seed, and I ask you today, are you someone that has an attitude of generosity? That you're going, I'm not just going to be sparing in my seeds. I'm going to be sowing my seed in a way that it will fall on good soil and it will take roots. Paul does come and dialogue two things that he says, but don't give with two attitudes. First attitude is don't give with reluctance. Don't give with reluctance. Reluctance means I'd rather keep it for myself. And he also says, don't give with the attitude of compulsion. Don't be forced to give. How many know that God is not a God that coerces or forces us? God is a God of free will. God comes and says, no, it's your choice. I hope you choose. He lays it out there to go, this is the choice you want. God ultimately wants us to be excited about our giving. Not because we're reluctant or not because we feel compelled to do so by somebody else, but because we're compelled by the love of God to do so. 
When we look at giving, this idea of cheerful giving, it's understanding that it all belongs to God and it's my joyful response to give it back to Him. This word cheerful here is happy without, without grudge. It implies this gracious attitude. The, the, the Greek word is hilaros. This idea of hilarious, a belly laugh of joy. Let me ask you, when's the last time that you gave to God? <laughs> right? Can I tell you, that's what we should be thinking of to go, God, is this a belly laugh of joy that I get to give to you? Giving to God needs to be something that we do joyfully. Giving with a cheerful heart produces, number one, gratitude. Or giving with a joyful heart produces gratitude. Cheerful giving is an expression of gratitude for the blessings that you've received. And it's an acknowledgement of what God has already given us. A cheerful heart produces spiritual growth. Your act of cheerful giving promotes personal spiritual growth in your life. It produces these qualities called compassion. How many need a little more compassion? Produces humility. How many need some more humility? It produces love for others. These things that God's going, no, this is what we need to be. A cheerful heart produces community and unity. Giving with a cheerful heart strengthens the sense of community and the unity. It reinforces our care for one another. Giving with a cheerful heart produces this divine reward. Giving is rewarded by God. Giving is rewarded by God. God pours out blessing upon our lives, and we can't ignore that fact. We don't give as that our ultimate goal, but we give knowing God is no debtor to a man. That God will give, as you give, God will give above and beyond back into your life. God's not going to let you go without. Number six this morning. Generous giving comes from understanding. Generous giving comes from understanding. How many have ever been in a circumstance and you just under, want to understand why? God, why? Why did this happen? Why? Today, one of the most important things that we can do is coming back to understand, understand why generous giving. Generous giving It's important for us to understand what we're giving to and why we're giving it to see this expanse that's ahead of us for Chi Alpha and for Relevant Life Church. For us to understand the need. We don't want to just give to something that we don't see the need, right? But even more so than that, God wants us to understand why we give from his perspective. Generous givers understand God is a generous giving God. And therefore, as recipients of this generous giving God, we have a heart of extreme gratitude. This is why we give. Generous givers understand that God's love and forgiveness towards us, it should inspire us to pay it forward to others. It's why our love and our forgiveness is compared to the love and forgiveness of God. When we're walking in relationship with others, he's going, have you been forgiven much? Then you need to give much. Generous givers understand that their giving serves a higher purpose. A higher purpose than just what their dollars might mean in their pocket. But generous givers also understand this sowing and reaping, that sowing and reaping is real. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Paul continuing on writing to this church of affluence. Verse 8, he says this, and God is able. Everyone say, God is able. I love it when I read phrases like that. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love Paul's word, word usage here of all all-inclusive. He's not saying maybe or might, possibility. He's going, no, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love this, this concept of, of, of entirety that is there. 
Verse 9, it says, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, now he who supplies, say he who supplies, now he who supplies, God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity result in thankfulness to God. Such a rich passage of scripture. As you step back and you read it, if you have, I encourage you to take this passage of scripture and just read over it and listen to the adjectives and how it is written in the process. God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able in your life. God is able in the life of our Element Life Church. God is able in the life of OMN. God is able. And you will abound. How many like the abounding part? I want to abound, but there's takes an initiative to abound. God wants to make sure that we not only have enough for ourselves, but that we will always have enough to give. Enough and more. And how much is enough? Can I tell you, we live in this culture that we don't understand the context of enough. God is a God of more, but we have a different definition than his definition of more. Verse 10, it says, he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. This passage of scripture, we see two definite things that are here. That God is the one that supplies all resources. He supplies you with the seed and he supplies you with your food. That's why Jesus comes in Matthew and he says, why are you worrying? These birds that flutter around, these flowers that are in the fields, are they worrying about what they're gonna do? Do I not love them? And in the process, do I not love you that I'm going to give you seed and I'm going to give you bread? That I'm going to provide for you? In our culture today, we don't understand this concept of sowing seed. Our concept of sowing seed is cash, a credit card, a loan, something that is not invested. This concept of seed, understanding the power of a seed. I want you to grasp, this, this is barley seed here because we didn't have wheat seed, but I just want you to imagine this is a, a little over a pound, a pound of barley. So imagine today that this is a pound of wheat. Understand the power of the seed. On average, one seed of wheat produces 22 seeds per head with five heads per plant, equaling 110 seeds per plant. See what I'm saying? One seed equals 110 seeds. One pound of wheat can produce 1.5 bushels of grain. 1.5 bushels is equal to 135 pounds of wheat. 135 of these comes from one. With an average size of 15,000 seeds per pound or 900,000 seeds per bushel, one bushel yields enough flour to make 71 pound loaves of white bread. Steve, white bread. And 91 pound loaves of wheat bread. That's why you eat wheat bread, because you get more out of it. If you don't want Wheaties, I mean, if you don't want wheat, bread for breakfast and you want Wheaties, one bushel of wheat can make approximately 45 boxes of wheat flake cereal. What I want you to understand, it is God who gives the seed. He gives you the seed and he gives you the bread. I want you to grasp this this morning. I want you to see this. It says, he who supplies these things. 
this concept that seed is for sowing and bread is for eating. Say it with me. Seed is for and bread is for Can I tell you what's wrong in our culture today? We're eating up our seed. We've eaten up our seed. Your life, my life, we've just charged, we're in debt, and we've eaten up our seed. And so rather than be able to sow, we're paying off debt. In the process of paying off debt, we don't even have bread to eat, so we've got to go charge bread so we can eat. I want you to grasp this here this morning, that God, your Father, God, my Father, says, I have given you seed and I've given you bread. Seed for you to invest, seed for you to plant, seed for you to reap a harvest, seed for the ongoing generations, but I've also given you bread for you to consume today and tomorrow to support your family. Let me bring it in this context. I have 10 $1 bills here. I'm going to go to a Dave Ramsey principle. How many love Dave Ramsey? Dave Ramsey principle. I have 10 $1 bills. My God who has supplied all of these things. He says, Kevin, I've given you seed and I've given you bread. I've given you something to invest and I've given you something to consume to live off of. Dave Ramsey's principle is that one out of every $10 is God's. One out of every $10 is to put in savings for an emergency. One out of every $10 is to be invested. And then I have seven left over. And this process is going saying, God is saying, this is the seed and this is the bread. This is to be invested and this is to be consumed. Many of us live as if God's asking for more from us than he's actually giving us. And he's just saying, no, I just want a little bit. I just want a little bit. Would you honor me with a little bit? And as you honor me with this little bit, I'm going to give you this much more. This concept of seed is for sowing and not for eating. Bread is for eating and not for sowing. And God has this process in our lives that he wants to work in us. The reality is, is that we don't own any of it. Many times we come back and we go, the whole $10 is mine. I've worked hard for this. And where we get confused is that we wouldn't have it if God didn't give it to us. What you reap, or remember you reap what you sow as well as how you sow. Verse 11, it says that you will be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. In every way. We're not just talking money. That you would be rich in health, that you could serve. That you'd be rich in your abilities and your skill sets that you could give them back to God. That you'd be rich in love, that you could love someone who's lacking in love. Rich in kindness, that you could be kind to someone who needs kindness. As I close today, generosity cost God something. He didn't give a little bit of Jesus. He gave all of Jesus. Generosity cost God something. And for some reason, we in our mindsets think that generosity is not going to cost us. Generosity costs us. Generosity has come back to a sacrifice to go, no, I see what I have and I'm going to, rather than maybe having seven, I'm going to give one more to be generous. I'm going to do a little bit more. I'm going to adjust my lifestyle that I can be more generous with God. That's generosity. And I ask you today, what is your generosity costing you? But because I'm challenged today about reframing, I want to ask you, what is your generosity gaining the kingdom of God? Not about what it costs you, but what's it doing for the kingdom of God, the God that gave everything for you? And your generosity, what's it gaining for him and souls? 
I want you to realize today that your generous gift has kingdom purpose. It has kingdom purpose. But until you take that seed and plant it in the ground, there is no harvest. Can I tell you why credit cards are so popular today? We've not investing and we're just living off of plastic. And we're going, God, I need you to bless my life. And God's going, you've not planted any seed. You've not put anything in the ground. You're consuming it all. The goal of above and beyond is to connect your life with the purpose of the kingdom of God. The goal of above and beyond is to connect your serving, you as an individual, with the purpose of the kingdom of God. The goal of above and beyond is to connect your giving with the purpose of the kingdom of God. This is not self-seeking for Relevant Life Church. This is the kingdom of God focused. And I ask you today, have you sowed something? Have you today made a choice to put something in the ground? I ask you, would you consider that? Would you pray about that? We really appreciate your pledge, but we also would appreciate your pledge by the end of October. Multiple ways of doing so. If you want to put that slide up there of giving for me. Avenues to do so. We would love for you to be able to step in and participate in something that's bigger than you and I. Something that's going to reach into the, the future of Oregon. Outlive me, outlive you. God, today, let's pray, would you? God, today I pray, God, that you would teach us to be managers of what you've given us. God, today I pray that you would help each of us to see beyond all of our stuff and into your heart. God, as we look at your heart, would you help us to be generous like you? God, today I pray that you'd help us to recognize the difference between bread and seed. You're the one that supplies it all. God, I pray that you'd help us to be good stewards of that which you've given us. God, help us not to be consuming our seed, but consuming our bread. God, we need your help. We can't do this on our own. God, even today as we come to a above and beyond faith pledge. God, we can't just do it on our own. God, I pray today that it would not be just a decision that we've made, even though that's important, but God, would it be a spirit-informed decision? God, would you speak to us today? Would you speak to us today? And God, we thank you for it. We thank you for all that you do. We thank you for all of your blessings. Would you just lift your hands and thank him today? God, we thank you for that you are a God that is a generous very generous God. And God, we get to step in line with you. And God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Our prayer team is now coming to pray with you. If you need someone to pray with you, would you please let them do so? Also, remember your Connect cards. If you filled one out, drop it in the green box back there or hand it to an usher uh, or a staff member even. Uh, We would love to be able to get in contact with you. Lots of stuff coming about ahead of us. Make sure you're paying attention and following our church app. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.